But can you believe that we're in 2022 already? Give me a wave if you're in the room or a thumbs up if you're watching us online. Who felt like the last two years have absolutely flown by, but at the same time they've somehow dragged at the same time as well. It's been fast, it's been slow, it's been all over the joint, but here we are, the start of a new year. And it has been a wild couple of years to say the least. And here we are entering a new year. The start of a new year is always such an incredible time full of hope full of excitement for what is to come. And for many of us, it's actually a time to catch our breaths, to take a well-deserved break before the machine that is modern life starts back up. And after the last two years, I think all of us need it and we're looking forward to some sort of a break, amen? Because I don't know about all of you, but I found myself starting to get really tired towards the end of last year. I often find that the start of the year is a great time for reflection on the year that has just passed, but it's also an opportunity to carve out some time to look ahead to the future as well. It is a moment in time we can look not only where God has led us over the past 12 months, but where he is going to be taking us into the future as well. It is also a fantastic time to look at some of the habits or rhythms that we may have developed over the past 12 months, or perhaps reorder them or change a few, but I'm getting ahead of myself. This morning, as Jasmine said, we're going to be starting a brand new series called Don't Take a Holiday from God. Over the coming weeks in January, as a community, we're going to be exploring the challenges of keeping God at the centre of our, of our life and in all areas of our lives, particularly when we go on holidays. Well, if that doesn't get you excited for church this morning, I really don't know what will. But in all seriousness, this time of the year is the perfect time of the year to be exploring a theme like this. Because as we noted before, at the very start of a brand new year, most of us are in a time of rest, and perhaps this is the perfect time to seek God about how we can keep Him in the centre of our lives and Lord overall. One of the great challenges faced by believers since the early days of the church and by humanity in general is our tendency to compartmentalise our lives, including our faith. Often we have, had our, we have our work worlds, we have our social worlds, increasingly we have our online worlds, our family worlds, and of course we have our church world. But as followers of Jesus, we are by nature in confession monotheists, which means we believe that there is one true and living God who is sovereign over all, including all areas of our lives. And yes, this does include when we go on holidays. In the broader culture that we live in, it can be hard to live out and walk out our faith in all areas of our lives, especially because we're living in a culture that is becoming more and more individualistic and compartmentalised itself. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to be a countercultural people. We can keep him in the centre and Lord over all our areas of our life. Amen. One of the great sources and hope and encouragement that I've found over the last few years was spending time in the pastoral epistles of First and Second Timothy and Titus. As in these epistles, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy and Paul, sorry, Timothy and Titus, as young ministers who needed guidance and encouragement amidst everything that was going on around them in their respective contexts. And it is from Paul's letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy that I wanted to share with all of us today, specifically looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 10. This particular epistle contains instructions concerning order and structure in the church and advice for the young pastor. It is, in it, Paul draws clear connections between doctrine and ethics, belief and behaviour. 
Most scholars agree that this was written around AD 63 or 64. And whilst the primary audience was Timothy, most biblical scholars also agree that it was also intended to be read to the whole church of Ephesus. But before we dive into the passage of Scripture together, let's take a moment to stop, clear our minds and focus on our heavenly Saviour this morning. So if you'd all like to stand with me, I'd love to pray before we get into the Word this morning. Heavenly Father, no matter what we've brought into church this morning, Lord, we put it aside. We focus on you, Father. Lord, help us clear our minds from distraction, Father, from clutter, and help us to focus on your living and holy word, Father. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful you are here with us this morning as well, Lord, and speak to us, all of us, no matter where we're at or what's going on in our worlds, Father. I pray that your word is what encourages and draws us closer and closer to you, Father. Let it be not my words, Father, but your words and your holy living word that encourage our congregation this morning. Lord, we love you. We give you this first service of 2022. In your name, amen. You may all be seated. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn together to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter, sorry, let's start that again. Let's turn together in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 10 and read together. Reading from verse 6. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason we labour and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Saviour of all people, especially of those who believe. I would love to focus our attention specifically on verse 7 and 8, which reads, But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life that is to come. Whilst this particular passage of Scripture is directly speaking to Timothy, as some commentaries commentaries pointed out, it's also speaking to ministers in general, but it is also applicable to each of us as followers of Jesus. And when looking at the original language, one of the words that stuck out to me was the word for train. For a train in the original language is gymnasio, which Strong's Concordance defines as to exercise vigorously in any way, either the body or the mind. Gymnasio is the root word for where we derive the word gymnasium. And for Paul and Timothy, and certainly the Greek and Roman thinkers of the time, the image of physical training, as we see in verse 8, was often used not just in a physical sense, but also for moral, intellectual and spiritual disciplines. Now, I can see a few of you thinking, is he really about to use an analogy about going to the gym and pumping some weights? And rest assured, I am not, as that is an area I am uh, not qualified to speak into. Case in point, a few years ago, Pastor Charles thought it would be a great idea to hire a personal trainer for all the staff here at the church. And let's just say after the first session, I don't think it went to plan. By the end of that first session, it ended up with me sitting over the bin, being sweaty, worn out and wanting to throw up. And that was just after the stretches, but I digress. But this idea of training ourselves in spiritual disciplines that Paul alludes to here in verse 8 is very important for one as believers and followers of Jesus. And the question that I wanted to pose to us on this Sunday morning, the 9th of January, as we start our new year together, is this. What are we training ourselves in? Are our exercises and the rhythms training us more in the ways of Jesus 
or are we being more shaped by the broader culture around us? Because what we practice and what rhythms we allow into our lives will either form us more into the image of Jesus or the inverse. And what better time of year than to look at a few together today? What I often find hard about after having a holiday or a break is... Sorry, let me start that one again. What I often find hard after a holiday or break is getting back into some sort of rhythm. For example, preaching this morning with people in the room. It can also be eating a little bit more healthy after a nice holiday or even just getting up at a regular time, which I'm sure many of us can uh, agree with this morning. But that is also true in our walk with Jesus. We can sometimes get so far out of rhythm that it is so hard to re-get back into rhythm or form some sort of spiritual discipline. And this morning, I simply wanted to have a brief look at two rhythms or spiritual disciplines or practices or whatever terminology you're most comfortable with that have personally helped sustain and grow my faith over the last two years. I pray that they help you find a new and sustainable rhythm in your own journey with Jesus and that they will continue to bring you back to him, the author and perfecter of our faith. And before we go any further... I am not an expert in this idea of spiritual disciplines or formation, but it is a journey that I've been seeking to explore over the past couple of years. And if you're interested in this topic or idea, I cannot more highly recommend Richard Foster's seminal work, The Celebration of Discipline. It is an incredible book exploring some truly paradigm-shifting ideas. But before we get into our first rhythm this morning, the title of my message for all those taking notes is simply this, Got Rhythm. And whilst you're writing notes, the first point at the right is this, the rhythm of the word. And let's head over together to the Old Testament, specifically the beautiful words of Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11, and let's read them together. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And the ordinance of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and keeping them there is an abundant reward. There is so much contained within this psalm of David, and the ESV study Bible points out that in singing this psalm, God's people celebrated his Lord, the Torah, and his supreme revelation of himself. The psalm recounts the way that creation speaks of its maker and then the way in which the Mosaic law addresses a soul followed by the humble response that it calls for. In verse 8 where we read, the command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. Making the eyes light up means for a person to be alert and active. Verse 9 shows a reverence for our God and verse 10 and 11 shows a proper outcome which in this case is assurance and character growth. Throughout the past nearly two years, it has often felt like at times that we've been trying to swim in the middle of a raging sea. There has and still is so much going on around us on a political, cultural and international level. And that is not even including our own interpersonal worlds on a community level with one another. At times it has felt isolating and incredibly complex and nuanced. But one of the things that has kept me so grounded amidst everything is my time in scripture. Not in an academic sense per se, but simply time spent dwelling in them wandering through the Gospels, reflecting on the Psalms and the Proverbs, or trying to gain wisdom and understanding from Paul's words to two young ministers. Something begins to change in us when we approach the Bible, not with our preconceived ideas, notions or worldviews, but when we simply humbly approach it and allow the words to shape us, to allow God to speak to us, 
and to reveal himself through his word no matter what situation we find ourselves in. In the chaos that can be our lives and in the broader fractured culture, we need to be tethered to our Heavenly Father. We need to remember that we are part of a rich and historical faith that is still alive and active to this day. Reading God's word allows us to find much-needed perspective, much-needed faith, much-needed encouragement, and ultimately points us to the much-needed hope in the person of Jesus Christ. And no, this isn't going to be one of those sermons where I simply just tell you to read your Bible more or pray more, because ultimately, a sermon can't help you change that rhythm. Only you can make that choice. And it's not always easy especially when you factor in the pool of everyday life, family, work, social commitments and everything else that exists. But once again, we have to ask the question, what are we training ourselves in? Are our exercises and rhythms training us in the ways of Jesus or are we being more shaped by other things around us? And this is not some abstract, abstract truth or idea. I generally like to think of myself as an optimistic kind of guy, you know, glasses half full and all that sort of jazz. But one of the interesting things that I've noted over the past two years is that when I wasn't deliberately setting time aside to spend in the Bible, I found my mindset starting to shift. I found myself reading the news headlines, opinion pieces and everything else and beginning to see my thinking being shaped by that instead of the truths contained within the living word of God. And it was very subtle at first, but in the really hard times when we were in and out of multiple lockdowns, I started to move from being a glass half full kind of guy to the other side. Because the simple reality for each of us in this, in this room and watching online is this, we are all being formed by something. John Mark Comer in his book, Live No Lies, phrases it this way, it's by the spirit and truth that we're transformed into the image of Jesus, but the reciprocal is also true. It's by isolation and lies that we're deformed into the image of the devil. What do you want to be formed by? And how can we integrate this rhythm of time and God's words into our lives? This is about to get super practical, but the answer is much easier than we sometimes think. The answer is simply this, start. We live in an incredible time in history where in our pockets we have access to the living word of God through apps, websites, videos and even more. If you don't know where to start with the plethora of options available, why not download the YouVersion Bible app or one of my favourites over the last year, which is Lectio 365, or even look up the Bible Project who just had a new app come out. And if you're easily distracted by your phone and the other limitless possibilities on there, why not kick it old school and start reading a physical Bible, starting at the book of Matthew or even a proverb a day? If you're a super busy or super disorganised person, why not look for a time that you could substitute that third episode of Cobra Kai Season 4 of the Book of Boba Fett for Time in the Word? No matter what you choose to do, the key is to simply start. So why not start your training to once again borrow Paul's words from earlier tomorrow? Make a time in your calendar now to put aside to read Psalm 19 in its entirety for yourself. The rhythm of the Word is one that will move you closer to your Heavenly Father and will have an incredible impact on your entire life. I know because it has for me. In the words of Psalm 19, verse 10 to 11, they are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold and sweeter than honey dripping from honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned in them and in keeping them, there is abundant reward. The second rhythm that I very briefly wanted to touch on today that has also immensely shaped me over the past two years is this, the rhythm of prayer. 
Let's return again to the Apostle Paul and Timothy and let's this time look at Paul's words to the Church of Colossae. So once again, if you have your Bibles or the app you just downloaded on your phone, let's read together from Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. In this passage, Paul is calling all Christians to a lifestyle of constant prayer. In verse 3, it's worth noting, in particular, line for which I am in chains, which denotes that Paul was writing this letter, most likely transcribed by Timothy, from a jail cell. But despite his imprisonment and difficult circumstances, Paul is asking for the Colossians to pray that he will have opportunities to share the good news. How often was that our response with everything going on around us last year? In a world of constant outside noise that we live in, prayer is one of the most powerful rhythms that we have. Because as we pray, we are directly communing with our Creator. When we come to our Saviour in prayer, we can find hope. We can find purpose. We can find direction and we can find belonging. But prayer is also one of the hardest rhythms to form as it is so countercultural. Once again, it is an ancient practice that has sustained countless numbers of God's peoples for thousands of years. I think sometimes prayer can be inadvertently overlooked because of its apparent simplicity. But what a beautiful thing that God allows us to approach him no matter where we are or what is going on either in us or around us. I'm so thankful that God wants to have a relationship with each of us and the words of Romans 5 always fill me with so much hope. The word thanksgiving at the end of verse 2 in Colossians chapter 4 is worth noting as when we are thankful, prayer does not merely become a selfish asking to have our desires fulfilled. But instead, through thanksgiving, our focus is taken off ourselves and moved onto our Saviour. And I know for me, I need to constantly be tethered and have my eyes on Jesus. I need to tether myself to him through prayer to make sure that in all areas of my life and existence, I am seeking him, be it in the big or the small, and to simply allow myself to be formed by him in times of prayer as well. One of the most profound and difficult rhythms that I've tried to include in my own life in the prayer times over the past few years is prayer where I don't speak, I just listen. And being the modern millennial that I am, it feels so foreign at times because I'm so used to having constant noise around me. But there is something beautiful in those moments of just listening, not talking, not asking, just seeking. And this, to borrow Paul's words to Timothy once again, Requires training. Might get M back on keys if I could, please. If we're to devote ourselves to prayer, as it says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it will require getting uncomfortable. It will require making time and space in our schedules. The creator of the universe invites us to spend time with him, but we simply usually just give him the leftovers of our days or when we remember. And please hear my heart. This isn't a call to legalism or works. This is a call to go deeper with your loving Heavenly Father. This is a call to live set apart and different, to not remain where we are now, but to be different by the end of this year, more formed by the image of Jesus than the broader culture around us. Whilst I was preparing this message for today, I came across an incredible story that moved me that I wanted to share with all of you before I bring this message to a close. 
at 3am on New Year's Day in 1739, an all-night prayer meeting was taking place in Fetter Lane in London. At this prayer meeting, John Wesley recorded these words in his journal. The power of God came mightily upon us insomuch that many cried out for exceeding joy and many fell on the ground. John Wesley, after feeling the power of the Holy Spirit at this prayer meeting, was propelled out of that room in London to ride 125,000 miles to begin preaching the gospel. His brother Charles Wesley, who was also in the meeting, began writing over 6,000 hymns. And their friend George Whitfield crossed the Atlantic to stir the fires of America's first great awakening. Because of an encounter with the Holy Spirit in a prayer meeting, these men's lives and the world would never be the same again. So where do we begin with prayer in our own lives? Perhaps it's forming a prayer group with two or three other people and committing to meeting together for six months and taking it from there. Maybe it's starting small and setting a timer for five minutes and simply being quiet and seeking God. And if you're looking for a place to restart your rhythm of prayer, why not take Pastor John's invitation from the other week and see how Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 15. Perhaps prayer is the rhythm that will help transform and ground us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and help us get through this next year no matter what it brings. But much like the rhythm of the Word, it is simply about choosing to start and choosing to continue to be formed into the image of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. So let's end our time together this morning before I hand over to Laurie to lead us around the Lord's table with where we started our journey together this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 4, but let's read verse 10 together. For this reason we labour and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Saviour of all people, especially of those who believe. As believers and followers of Jesus, we know the hope that can only come from God. And no matter what this year brings, He is with us. Amen. So the final question I wanted to leave you with this morning as we start our new years together is this. What are we training ourselves in? And what rhythms will we form this year to become more like our Saviour Jesus?